You're listening to The Sidebar by NYABJ, a show about the world of media through the lens of black media makers. In this special Pride episode, Benita Sostre speaks with Musa Jackson, founder and editor-in-chief of Ambassador Magazine, as he reflects on his pioneering modeling career and his Harlem roots. Jackson recently appeared in the Oscar-winning documentary Summer of Soul, which chronicled the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival. Thank you so much for joining our podcast celebrating Pride Month. My name is Benita Sanstre, and I'm honored to be joined by Musa Jackson, founder of Ambassador Magazine, co-founder of the Harlem Festival of Culture. So let's get started with this conversation. Um, Musa, you were part of the Oscar award-winning movie, Summer of Soul. What was that experience like? Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. Um, so yes, I was. It was um, incredible. Um, well, first off, you know, being asked to be in this film by Questlove, making his directorial debut, and it alone was just amazing. He was wonderful to work with. And then being able to really share something that I've really been talking about most of my life. I was a little boy who attended this festival back in 1969. It's actually the first memory in my, my life. I can't go back further than that really in terms of in vivid detail, but it was so impactful that it really set me up for my career, my life, my journey, if you will, um, not only within my career, but also within Harlem and in terms of some of the things, legacies that I've done. So it's sort of coming full circle as now this film, Summer Soul, that's celebrated around the world. I literally got a, uh, a, 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 a an email from someone in Holland who uh, was just inspired and I got from France and London. So it's just um, people that have seen the movie, love the movie, um, this documentary that highlighted some of the most incredible musical artists of our time. In, in a time when they were just so vibrant and young and fresh, um, and also a time in our history, which um, you know the '60s was such an you know an obviously an, a, an important time in Black culture with the Civil Rights Movement moving into the Black Power Movement, right? And that summer was the nexus of that moment. So we moved from civil rights into the Black Power. So being a part of that film and knowing that history is now being restored has been incredible. So it's just been an awesome experience from that moment to going to the Oscars and, um, you know, and, and winning the Oscar, obviously, and all the other awards that really, you know, every single award, every single nomination that the film has gotten, you know, it's just been a joy. I mean, you can all say that the Oscars is the, you know, the big one, right? But everyone from Sundance, you know, to Critics' Choice Awards to Grammy recently, you know? So it's all been amazing. It's, it's just a dream come true. I'm so happy for you and the movie is so good. Like it's so, so good. And if anyone hasn't seen it, they need to go and see it because now it's very easily accessible. So how did that experience launch your vision for the Harlem Festival of Culture? Okay, that's a great question. Um, how it launched the vision was that, you know, after that premiered in this, this summer of 21, uh, um, you know, and it was on Hulu, right, with Disney um, Onyx, 
um, you know, the thought was really kind of how do we look at that in 2023 or 2022 now, today, right? Um, because it had been hidden for 50 years, so we didn't have that experience. So generations had come and gone that really hadn't had the opportunity of having a festival like that, right? Um, because like we said, it wasn't uh, made public. So now with the success of the movie, of now people wanting to know more about um, the Summer of Soul, um, you know, and as well as the film, um, it was for, for me imperative that we, um, you know, that we, we bring back this festival because I knew that, you know, I was, I'm who I am today. How could I make an impression on this generation? So I partnered with two amazing women, um, Nicola Evans and Yvonne McNair, both geniuses in their field. Nicola is known in Harlem as, you know, really helping a lot of the businesses develop. She has her own business, she's an entrepreneur as well as Yvonne McNair has, um, you know, produced um, Grammy nominated, I'm sorry, Emmy, Emmy nominated um, festivals um, from Essence Festival, Music Festival to Ebony Power 100 um, festivals and, and the Grammys themselves. So she's sort of known in that space and having an opportunity to come together and reignite and reimagine what this festival would look like for this generation was an opportunity that I couldn't resist. And I felt it was an obligation to my community to really bring this back. So. And it's, yeah, no, that's great. And it's, we all need it. Like, that's the thing. Like in my generation, we, we need it all. So uh, yeah. let's take it back a little. You were one of the pioneering black male models in 1983. Uh, tell us how your career in modeling and, and then your media kind of stardom, how, how did it, give us your story. Give us the background. What's the tea? I'm give you a really quick story. I, I went to the, the fame school when it actually fame had premiered. So it wasn't even the fame school because literally when I entered the school, the movie came out the following year and then it became known it. as the fame school. And I went there for art. So I was a visual artist. Um, I went prior that I really went only to private school. So I was born and raised in Harlem and I was one of the few black children at the time who went out of their neighborhood to go to a an elite private school, um, which was really unheard of back in 1970 and, and obviously moving forward. And so um, I graduated in 1983 and I was at Parsons School of Design for fashion design. So I was really thought I was going to be a designer, a fashion designer, because there were very limited opportunities. We were talking before graphic design, all these opportunities today that they have, which I probably would have maybe went into a um, magazine trade, but you were only, they were like, you could be a designer or be a painter. <laughs> and I couldn't see myself painting like Toulouse d'Autrec in Paris, because that was the only like artist that I had ever heard of really um, that did stuff like that, which is kind of funny. Anyway, so I went to Parsons School of Design and I needed a job. And so, you know, he had to work and obviously go to school. So I was working at this clothing store, which was the elite clothing store back in 1983 called Parachute. And literally um, I walked in for an application. I was, you know, six feet one, cute smile. And I walked in just filling out an application and it was known to the stars. So this parachute, every celebrity 
was using parachute um, clothing. Michael Jackson, at the time, the Commodores, Lionel Richie, Cher, people like that. And um, I walked in and the photographer was shooting the campaign for the store. And he thought I was the model. And the owner happened to be there and he was like, well, who are you? And I said, well, I'm just, a, I'm an 18 year old kid needing a, a, a job. And he said, well, I gave you, a, and I said, I'm here to apply for the salesman position. And he said, okay, here's the deal. You can be a salesman, but you're also gonna be in our campaign. And literally the same day I was, I shot the campaign, which would be in GQ, which would be an interview, which would be in all these magazines around the world, which was unheard of for a young black model um, to make it internationally from Harlem. And literally within a year, being in the magazine, going out to clubs, people kept saying, you have this look. And I had, I guess, the look of the moment and or what they were looking for back in those days. And I was discovered by the editor, the, the beauty editor of GQ magazine months later, but I already been in their magazine, which is crazy. And I was, I was discovered and, um, and really my career was launched really in 83, but going forward in 84. And I would be one of the pioneering young black male models in, in, in history, but certainly in Harlem's history, which I'm so proud of to claim, um, I'm the very first um, black male model to make it internationally and nationally. So that part will always stand with me. And then I went on from there to become the first black male model to ever do the Gap ad, which was, it, it was, it was so new back in those days to do crossover things. And I'd already kind of been doing crossover modeling all, like my whole career was a crossover. So it was just like, I was what they call a mainstream model. You come in, you're already at the top of the food chain. You know, you're doing all the ads, you know, you don't have, I, I never, I never stopped working because I guess, like I said, my face or my presence was so in demand and so of the moment. And I and my career launched at the same time as the Cosby show, which at that moment, you know, they had introduced to the world black middle-class. So, you know, private schools and HBCUs were the first time in mainstream media that people had really kind of, I mean, that was always in our culture, right? But in terms of mainstream media, we were being highlighted. So what would fashion look like? And they needed that represent, representative who, who looked like he came, you know, his parents were doctors and he went to, you know, Harvard and he wore Ralph Lauren. So I kind of set it up for what we now know. I was a test dummy for now what is standard uh, preppy, you know, all, all the brands, you know, I was a test dummy, I like to say. So when I see what's going on today, it started on me. Because when they put it on me, they were like, oh my God, he looks great in a polo shirt. And I'm like, are they, like, you can actually pay me because I look great in a polo shirt. I wore this, th th that was my uniform in school. So, um, you know, so that was one of the things I'm so happy. And then I would help usher in the next generation um, that would come in, which would be Tyson Beckford. He came in the nineties and I was, I, I'm happy to say I was, I'm probably one of, I'm one of, he's one of my protégés in a way um, because we were friends and um, that he had major acclaim, but you know, I had 10 years prior to that. And sort of, you know, people like myself, especially in my age range, I wasn't the first black male model, 
but I was the, one of the younger ones because that age range had not really been a thing. Because if you realize back in the 80s, um, they weren't looking at black young men. And when they did show black young men at that time, they were on TV, but they were, you know, they put them up in a very negative way. And so, you know, you'd always see them, um, one in four black men, I would always hear statistics, are incarcerated. So I was the antithesis of that, that there could be black excellence. And I had to represent young black men. I did Gautier in Paris and Milan and French Vogue and Italian Spanish Vogue and American Vogue and, and you know, in, in spaces that, you know, weren't um, um, privy to us that are now normal. But in those days they were coveted and I had no idea. You never know when you're the first or one of the first that you're gonna be making history or a part of history. You just do your job, you show up and, and God does the rest. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. That's amazing. Um, so it is June, Gay Pride Month. So as a gay black man in the media business, have you ever felt any adversary or, or any any kind of negative negativity towards your way or how's it been? You know, I think I'm a unicorn, um, partly because when I literally came out was in, I was 18 or 19. I had dated girls, you know, legitimately. <laughs> and, um, but I like guys too. And I sort of remember saying to my mother when I was like 19 years old, I was dating a very famous uh, um, young lady. Uh, she came from a very powerful family. My first girlfriend was, okay, everyone knows, it's Lena Horne's granddaughter. And so I came, you know, so I kind of grew up in the industry in a very, you know, high level way, right? And so, you know, pro high profile. And so then I started, we broke up and I was dating someone else. And my mother says, oh, so how's Jenny? And I'm like, uh, me and Jenny broke up. And she's like, well, who are you dating now? And I said, well, his name isn't this, but I'm just gonna say Robert. And she said, oh, well, can I meet him? And I, so I grew up in a very liberal open household where my mom, she just loves people. And it's, 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 it's shaped my entire life because that's who I am. She said, you know, she's been for gay rights really before I, you know, before she even had a gay, you know, knew her child was gay because she just loved people. And so I grew up in an, I grew up being open and honest before living in our truth was a thing. And, and I never was a DL, like all these catchphrases, um, you know, I've kind of like, didn't even know what they were because, and I didn't have the same obstacles. I knew that the people had obstacles, trust me. I just didn't experience that. And so because I didn't experience that, Benita, I always wanted to make sure that those who did had a champion or someone in me. Um, that understanding that, you know, you need someone to talk to, feel good about themselves, you know, hey, I'm living. And so, and I've had an incredible life and you can too. And I'm sort of, the universe has caught up to my mom. It's slowly catching up to my mom's way of being. You know, we were 30 years in, 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 in the past and we were already ahead of our time. And now I look at life, you know, gay marriage and all those things and everything. I said, my God, you know, I'm so grateful to have had that background. And now I can actually, I'm loving doing things for the, the gay community 
you know, and, 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 and any marginalized, really any marginalized community, you know, I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm definitely a champion of, so. Love and it. it's great so now, pride is gonna be great. <laughs> absolutely. Um, sir, you're a very busy man. Um, share more about your process in founding Ambassador Magazine. Okay, so I had obviously started as a model, then from modeling, I became a producer. After modeling, I became a, a, a producer for a few years as a producer for uh, the, the fashion shows, collections. Um, I worked for a small company called Deborah Hughes, which was, um, you know, small in size, but big, big in, in notoriety in terms of they handled Diane von Furstenberg and um, Betsy Johnson and people, you know, really obviously A-list brands. And I was one of the producers. So I kind of really kind of went from in front of the camera to behind the camera, which sort of led me into, and I was a writer. So it led me into doing, um, um, becoming an editor, a contributing editor, uh, contributing producer for, for, for magazines. Magazines like Spirit and Flesh I've done and I produced a shoot for Essence and I did, um, my God, Heart and Soul and the list goes on. And I was doing this for a long time, um, you know, uh, as an editor and also I forgot Uptown Magazine. How could I ever forget that? Um, they even gave my own column as the Harlem ambassador. And, um, you know, and it just came time where, you know, some of the articles and things that I wanted to do, they weren't publishing. And I was like, I gotta get my own magazine. So in 2019, I started doing content. And I shot, I got a crew together and a major crew, Paul Merjan was, uh, came on as my creative director, partner. And I knew everybody in the business in terms of hair and makeup and stylists. And just, I had a, a, this incredible Rolodex of, of different people from the film industry, from fashion, from music and all these people, icons to start, people that are just starting. I wanted to mix it. And so in 2019, I started, um, I think I sh the first person was Melba, Melba Wilson, um, an Harlem icon, restaurateur, and I, I said, Melba, you're going to be my first cover. And that was in 2019. And I said, let's just launch it in March of 2020, which is right after my birthday. And something kind of major happened called a worldwide pandemic, coronavirus, COVID. So here it is, that's you know going on. And I really kind of put, because that the world had stopped and the world had just kind of went into space. And I wasn't even thinking about because I did it three months or six months prior, I wasn't even thinking about my magazine because I was like, how's my mother doing? How's my friends doing? You know, people are getting sick. And it was honestly, Bonita, uh, my friends called me and said, what about the magazine? You're, you're launching a digital magazine. It was never print. That was my goal, to launch a digital magazine online. And they're like, Musa, you have the entire world at home. They have nothing to do and they need content and you have all this content. So in May 14th, we just had a second, second year anniversary. I launched Ambassador Digital Magazine with Melba on the cover and have never looked back. Um, it's been a sensational. We're now in uh, three, uh, we're in New York, LA, Atlanta. We shot a Paris cover. We've been offered uh, to come to Africa, even China, believe it or not. And um, so we've gotten offers. Um, obviously, we haven't gone to those places yet because of you know where we are right now in the world. But um, but the point is, we it took off and it's doing really really well. So I'm kind of juggling, um, you know, two things: the festival and that. So, like I said, you're a busy guy. I know that's great. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Like this has been such an amazing podcast. Before we end this, what's some inspirational advice? 
what what's something that you can give to our listeners you know if they want to go on a path similar to yours or yeah yeah well if, if, if you've heard if you've been listening then you realize that the journey started for me when i was four years old five years old and now i'm 57 and so I just say to anyone that, you know, you must believe that you can make it. You have to have clear goals of what you want to do. You have to be passionate. I, you know, my magazine, we say live your life with passion, right? And I just feel like you realize it's not a sprint. It's more of a marathon. Have patience, um, have tenacity, believe. Surround yourself with amazing people who will always champion you and you'll get there. I believe that you can make it, whatever you set your mind out to do, you can do it. And just, um, but first you gotta believe in yourself. That's where it begins. And that's what I would give to people. I love that. I, I need to take that in um, <laughs> on my own personal journey. Um, like I said, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of oh. The Sidebar by NYABJ. Um, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Um, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you out on social media or, or find the magazine? Absolutely. Can I, I'm going to say, so personally, it's Instagram at I am Musa Jackson. So I am Musa Jackson. Um, for the magazine, it's at ambassador with an a ambassador underscore mag and for our festival which is so important which is um at harlem festival of culture harlem festival of culture and you can also go on to harlem festival festivalculture.com we have an amazing uh, award show coming up for juneteenth um, um, um powered by uber i'm so excited about that and just look out for Ambassador Magazine. We'll always be giving you culture and wonderful people. So I appreciate this moment for coming on your show and, and for your viewers. And so hopefully we'll see you soon. Thank you so, so, so much. I, I really appreciate it. A special thanks to Musa Jackson. The Sidebar is a production of the Greater New York Chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. The opinions heard in this episode belong to the individuals who express them and not to NYABJ. The music in our show theme is by Halizna Raps. Subscribe now to join us for more conversations and industry insights straight from the source. <laughs>